0: Again, we are so glad you are here with us as we are in the Christmas season, the beginning of Advent. We're kicking off a brand new teaching series today called The Gift. Say that with me, The Gift, The Gift. And so as we're focusing in on the season, it is a season, and I love what Christy shared, of preparation. Always wanting to prepare our hearts to join Jesus in what it is that he has for us. And so as we begin our time together, I want to ask you this question. Here's the question For you and it's the first question that comes on the screen here that we're going to look at and it's this what are gifts you've gotten for a family with a newborn what are some gifts you've gotten i want you to participate actually what's that the nose free duct duct. is i'm saying that right okay that's good all right that's to get the boogers out right (laughs) all right all right just to clarify in case you're like that's a great name uh, but i don't know what that actually does what are some other gifts go for it oh okay a cd nice i love that i love that come on just uh, just shout it out what are some diapers. other gifts? diapers right diapers what else blankets, blankets. blankets. clothes that's always Sand good sound machine food, food. Monitor. monitor anything else rocking, rocking, chair. rocking chair money because kids are expensive right money <laughs> teddy bear there are all kinds of gifts that, that we give, right, when we're celebrating the birth of a newborn. There, there are all kinds of gifts that we, we give, and as we think about this season, I want us to think about the gifts that were given as Jesus came into the world, because there were gifts that were given, and, and little, we gave a, a little teaser to what those gifts were, but do you guys remember the three gifts that were given? A little Bible trivia this morning. What were those gifts? Gold, cents, Oh, so good. You get 100%. All right, let's give it up. Great job. Great job. You did a great job on that. So, as we think about this, what we're going to be doing over the next several weeks throughout December is we're going to focus in on that first Christmas and what it signified as far as what happened in the life of Jesus and in the life of humanity, how this event of Christ coming in the world changed things forever. It changed things forever. And not only did it change things forever, but there are so many different people involved in that first Christmas story. And there are these these gifts that are given that are part of that as well. And so that brings us to the the next part of of what we're going to be talking about today. And and really what I want to do as we begin this series is I want to give us a snapshot of what it is that happened in Matthew's Gospel, Matthew chapter 2. And so we're going to look at the responses today today But then throughout the different weeks, we're going to look at the gifts that were given as well. And so the first gift that was given was gold. And gold is a representation of a gift that is fit for a what? For a king, right? It's it's a gift that is fit for a king. And we'll see next week how Jesus is a king like no other. He's a king like no other. And how he comes, and not only to serve and not only to share who he is, but ultimately lays down his life as a sacrifice for us. And so he rules and reigns in such a, a way that is not like any other. And so the first, again, gift is gold. The next gift is frankincense. Say that with me, frankincense, frankincense. And, and this is, again, a, a gift that would be a picture of the priestly aspect of what priests would do when they would put frankincense over the, the aroma, the offerings that were offered to put up a, an incredible scent to the Lord. And so Jesus being our great high priest, he too, he too offers something. He offers something that has never been done and can never be done again, which is himself, and we're going to see that in, in a couple of weeks here as well. But again, that gift of frankincense. And then the last gift here is myrrh. And it's a gift that's given for someone who's going to die. And this is, again, a foreshadowing. All these gifts. Gold, foreshadowing who Jesus is, like his coming, but also what ultimately he will do. Frankincense, what he came to do, but what he would do and continues to do on our behalf. And then myrrh, his burial, and how ultimately he died, but praise be to God he doesn't stay dead, right? And so... That's the other part of of the good news that we're participating in. Not only that Jesus came, God that's always been, God that will always be, and he came in and took on human flesh and came in as a baby, but then he grew and experienced all the things that we experience. You know, he eventually became a toddler, a teenager, a man, and then he would lay his life down for you and for me. And then three days later, he would rise from the dead and he did that because of a need that we have because we have a sin-stained condition (laughs) that makes us spiritually dead and it's through jesus and through him alone that we have spiritual life and so praise be to god that this christmas season we can hold that out we can journey with him what it is that he has for us but others as well well recently i was going to the movies and i saw this this film how many guys have seen this movie yet Anybody, show of hands? Okay, it's a couple people. <clears throat> it's called Journey to Bethlehem. And they, they say on the front end of this, hey, we take some creativity uh, licenses license, uh, here on what it is that we're doing with the movie. But what they did do, I thought which was good, is they added some real fun dynamics to it. They made it more like a musical. And I'm not gonna do a rendition of any of the songs that they did, <laughs> all right? But they were really, really good. Really good. My mom and I actually went to go see this movie together. But one of the things that struck me as I'm watching this movie is I'm just reminded of the different characters because this movie focuses specifically on the Matthew 2 account that we're going to actually look at today. But the different characters, but also the different responses to the coming of Jesus. You see all kinds of different responses to the fact that Jesus came to the earth. And we're going to actually see that today, but this movie does a great job of, of talking about the different characters like Mary and Joseph, like Herod, like the Magi. You know, you start seeing these different characters emerge, and they start giving personality to them as well. And they all had a different response, again, to Jesus, as we're going to see today as we begin this teaching series, which leads me to this for us today, and it's this, what is your response to Jesus? Jesus. What is your response to Jesus? Because one of the things that we want to get to the point of in our own life is to personalize this question. How am I responding to Jesus? And for many of us, we have maybe grown up in the church, and maybe we've heard things, but for us, we've never come face-to-face with who Jesus is to us, what he's come to do for us, who he truly, truly is. Some of us, church is new to us, and we're here, and we're like, all right, I'm coming because it's December, and I want to get in that Christmas vibe, right? (laughs) Someone said, hey, come with me and join me, and, and I'm glad you're here, and we're glad you're even checking this out, but for some of us, we're new to this whole thing, and we're trying to figure out where we fit in the story of what it is Jesus has come to do and what Christmas is about. And maybe we're not fully there yet. Maybe we're just like, hey, I'm, I'm just exploring. And that's great. We are so glad you are here today. But my, my prayer my hope is that we're able to walk away with, how am I responding to Jesus? Because we all have a response that we have to give to who he truly is. And so today we're going to see three specific responses. And I believe each of these responses is where, where we all would find ourselves in. So one of these responses is where... We find ourselves in when it comes to Jesus. So if you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to open up with me. We're going to be in Matthew's gospel again. Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2. And we're going to start in verse 1 and 2. And it says this, says this, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, magi from the east came to Jerusalem. And they asked, where is the one who has been born king of the jews we saw his star when it rose and have come to what what's the word we've come to worship him and so there's these these characters called the magi say that with me magi magi and and when you when you see this this title magi and you hear magi it's actually the only place that we find them in the Christmas story, here in this account. And the magi came from the east. They're they're believed to be wealthy men who are Gentiles who really um, were involved in helping to reveal the things that are unseen and making sense of them. So whether that was dreams, whether that was the stars, whether that was prophecies that were given, they're trying to make sense of these things. And and people often call call them kings. You know, you maybe heard them referred to as that. Because again, they were people of great influence, in affluence as well. And just by a little more Bible trivia this morning, how many, how many Magi were there? We don't know. We don't know. That's actually the right answer. For Rebecca, you can tell she's been reading her Bible, right? She's been. But the reason we think there, there's three is because of these three gifts. That we're going to see later on but there's no indication actually how many were there so we don't know we don't know but we do know that they came a long way many scholars believe it took them actually two years to get to this point to come to king herod to look for jesus to find where he was at as they were they were coming to king herod and they asked this question again where is the one who has been born king of the jews And the other part of this that's really important is there's this king, King Herod. And he's called Herod the Great because he's such a great king. No, that's a joke. He was not. He was not a great king. But he was the one that Rome appointed to rule over the Jews. But we know, just as you study history, how tyrannical he was. So much so he became paranoid of his own sons and had his sons executed. And and not only that, but had had children who were who were two years old and younger taken out as well because of the threat that he had about jesus coming and so we we get a sense of what is happening here there are these characters from the east the magi which again is these people who are are checking out and explaining the unexplainable that's where we actually get our word magician from magi just a little fun fact for you and the other thing that's happening is there's a lot of darkness, right? This is darkness. We're talking about Herod and, and what's happening in this context. But then it goes on to say this. When King Herod heard this, he was, what's the word, excited? No, he was disturbed. And not disturbed like, oh, man, this is amazing. Like, oh, that's No, disturbed like trouble. Troubled. And it goes on to say, not only was he disturbed, but what else does it say here? And all Jerusalem with him. And all Jerusalem with him. So not only was Herod disturbed, but all Jerusalem with him. And so one of the things that we can't miss as we hear this is that Herod was threatened by the idea that there was another king of the Jews, the real king of the Jews, the true king of the Jews. This is what the Magi are, are asking about. Where is he? Where has he been born? Where, where could we find him? And this disturbs Herod. This disturbs him. This troubles him. And all of Jerusalem as well. Which brings us to the first point here. If you're taking notes this morning, Herod opposed Jesus. Herod opposed Jesus. He was against Jesus. And we see that later on in Matthew's account here, Matthew chapter 2, that he was not for Jesus establishing his rule, his reign, and his kingdom. And we know that he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords, and he will have a kingdom that will know no end. But Herod was still troubled, disturbed, and opposed Jesus. He didn't want Jesus to have his rightful throne. And not only politically speaking, but even in his own life, right? He wanted to sit on the throne of his own in life. He wanted to be the leader, not only of the people, the Jewish people, but even of himself. And so oftentimes when we hear about Herod, we're like, I can't relate to Herod. I'm not like that. I haven't, I haven't signed off on the execution of children, right? Like, so, I, man, I can't possibly be as bad as Herod. But aren't there areas in our life that we say to Jesus, this is off limits to you? Aren't there areas in our life, if we're honest, we say to Jesus, you know what, I'm actually on the throne of this part of my life. This, this, this space, this throne is already occupied. In other words, we all have a little bit of Herod in us. We all have a place where we want to rule and reign that which is rightfully to, which belongs to Jesus. And that could be seen even in this Christmas season with our finances. There's a, a pressure and a temptation to live beyond our means in this Christmas season. Am am I not right on that? There's a pressure to say, I gotta keep up with somebody or something financially. And so we're saying, Jesus, you know what? After the new year starts, then you can maybe come back here. (laughs) Maybe. So maybe it's the area of our finances. Maybe for us, it's something that he's inviting us in to do, but we're so afraid to do it, to join him and what he's asking us to do, a step he's asking us today, take. We're saying, no, 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 I can't possibly trust you with this. Maybe it's our sexuality. Maybe for us, our, our thing is that in our lives, we say to Jesus, no, 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 you can't possibly have leadership and know what's best for me in this area. Maybe for us, it's a Relationships something that's going on with a coworker or a friend and it's not maybe going the way that would really please or honor Jesus. Are we giving him access to those places? Are we opposing Jesus? And maybe our opposition doesn't look like Herod, but it's still opposition whenever we say to Jesus, no, you cannot have this throne. I think about that for my own life. I think about where are the areas that I can oppose Jesus? Where are the times in my own journey of following him and walking with him that I can do that? And you know, one of the areas that I think he's been really helping me to grow and trust him with and even revealing to me that I don't fully give him access to is when it comes to the raising of my son. Because often I want to control and I want to make sure Ray is exactly where he should be and that he's going in a a great and right direction and i try to control outcomes and environments and and don't get me wrong we have a part to play as parents to set those conditions but i don't want to ever lose sight of the fact that my ultimate goal and role in his life is to trust jesus and surrender and to walk with jesus and let jesus do only what jesus can do in the life of Ray. because when i'm trying to control it and i'm trying to make something happen i actually cannot see clearly I get tunnel vision. Anybody with me? Anybody get like so tunnel vision that all of a sudden, all of a sudden, I don't have a posture of openness and awareness to God's activity. But rather, it's what I can do, what I can manufacture and make happen on my son's behalf versus saying to Jesus, hey, I want to join you and what it is that you have for me. Maybe for you, there's another area of your life. Maybe there's an area that Jesus is saying, Hey, I want you to believe and to trust me with this area. I want you to know that I'm for you. I'm for you. I'm not against you. And to do that, we need to always evaluate before him, what are those areas that I say are off limits to you? This is off limits to you. What are those areas? Again, it's easy to look at the first Christmas story and say, I could never be like here. But all of us, there are times where we have those places and spaces where we say, no, Jesus, you can't have access here. Well, it continues on as we read through this passage. It says this, when he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. And then it goes on to say the following. It says this, in Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, For this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. And so they knew, right? We see the priests and the teachers. They knew where to find this reference. And look at Micah chapter 5, verses 2 and 4. So they, they knew the scriptures, they knew the Scriptures. And one of the things that has caught me and surprised me this time around with reading this story is how the teachers and the priests knew the Scriptures but still stayed there. They didn't go find King Jesus. Do you notice that? They, they stay there. They stay there. They were comfortable maybe. Maybe it was too costly for them. Maybe they were afraid of what Herod was going to do to them. But it reminded me of what Jesus would say when he walked the earth. And he talked to the religious leaders in in John's gospel, John 5, 39 through 40, where he says, hey, you search the scriptures, but the scriptures are telling about me. Yet you will not come to me to have life. You will not come to me to have life. And life's not limited to our right standing and forgiveness of sin with Jesus, but also the life that is marked with flourishing under the leadership of Jesus. But again, they were just preoccupied. They were busy. They were dismissive of Jesus. But they did not go to him. The priests and teachers dismissed Jesus. And we see this happen again and again in the life of Jesus, don't we? When you study the Gospels, you see teachers and the priests and the religious leaders of the day, not all of them, but many of them, dismiss who Jesus is, dismiss who he is, they wouldn't allow themselves to be inconvenienced to go to the king of kings, the one that the scriptures had told about, the one that they could even quote a scripture about. And it's really an important reminder for us that we're not only meant to know the scripture, we're actually meant to act on the scripture. We're not only meant to read the scripture so that we can learn more information, we're meant to see Jesus for who he is and to join him in the life that he's called and invited us into. But again, the priests and the teachers dismiss Jesus. So here's a question for you today. What are some ways you are dismissive of Jesus? What are some of the ways you are dismissive of Jesus? What are some ways you say, Jesus, I love you. I love to celebrate you on Christmas Eve, (laughs) right? When we light the candles But leading up to that, my my calendar's too full. I've got too much shopping to do, right? I've got too much shopping to do. I've got too much on my list to get done that I don't have space in my life for you to consider who you are. Where, Where are areas in your life that you're dismissive to who Jesus is? Maybe for you today, you're dismissive because when you think about who Jesus is for you, you've never come to the point of really receiving what he's come to give you. These religious leaders, they knew a lot. and Maybe you know a lot. Maybe you know a lot of Bible, but you don't know him, the one in which the Bible's written about. And I'm, I'm always surprised, and I shouldn't be, but when I sit down with people recently, this actually happened to me. There was a couple from Liberty University. They reached out to me. They said, Hey, we want to learn more about church planning in the Lehigh Valley is one of the areas that we're focused on one of the the one the husband was actually from Bethlehem the wife was from Pittsburgh and we we had a great conversation and they're they're in graduate school right now and praying through church planning and starting a new work and and they started telling me their story and part of their story was this they said it wasn't until we actually went to liberty though we grew up in the church and we started going through some of these classes that cause us to examine our condition before a holy and righteous God and who Jesus truly is, that we realize, wait a minute, I don't think we've ever received this. I don't think we've, we've actually heard this clearly. I don't think it's ever been brought to our attention in an explicit way that we realize our need of who Jesus is. And even though they weren't intentionally doing it, they were dismissive without knowing that they were being dismissive it was their ignorance and in the midst of studying and reading and talking together they're like let's pray and receive jesus right now so as a dating couple they prayed and received jesus at liberty university and it was a reminder to me that oftentimes we can know that jesus speak but maybe not joe jesus and what we want to do as a people we want to look in our lives where are we not prioritizing jesus the way that we should where are we dismissive in our lives to not give him not only access, but to say to him, you are the one that I want to build my life upon. You are the one that all of life exists for and to. You are the one that actually is the giver of life, that every good and perfect gift comes from you, Father, the Father of lights, right? Where well, there's no shifting. There's no shifting or changing as James 1.17 says, you're the one that is the author and the giver of life. You are the light of life. And I don't want to dismiss you. I don't want to miss out on what it is that you have for me because I've allowed something else to have my affection and to have my attention. Where are you being dismissive of Jesus? Again, this is what was happening for the religious leaders. These are people who could quote Micah. I know many of us are like, I've never even read Micah, right? They could quote Micah. They knew it. They knew the scriptures, right? If they were going to do a a scripture drill, they would be in first place. They would take home the gold. But they still didn't know Jesus. They still didn't receive what the scriptures actually were meant to tell us about. Who this Jesus is and the invitation that he gives us in joining him and seeing his kingdom advance he is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He is the wonderful counselor. He is the prince of peace. So again, what are some ways you are dismissive of Jesus? Then he goes on to here in Matthew's account, and it says this, then Herod called the magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I may go worship him. Again, Herod the Great, did he have a change of heart? As we know, if you're familiar with this story, this was kind of like, I really want to worship him. Wink, wink, you know? (laughs) No, no, I really don't, but I I want you to tell me where he's at because I want to take him out, right? Any threat to my rule, my reign, even if it's the one who is rightly to rule and reign, all of life including Herod's life. I want to take him out. And then it goes on to say this. It says, after they had heard the king, they went on their way. And the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were what? What's the word here? They were overjoyed. They were overjoyed. It's like, man, their hearts were coming out of their chest excited. They were doing like flips and backflips and cartwheels kind of excitement. Right? They were fired up. They were overjoyed. They were not offended about Jesus being born. They were overjoyed. This was the one that they wanted to see. It says this, on coming to the house, they saw, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down. They bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream, not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. And so what we see here in the response of the Magi, there's a couple things that they do. First, they're overjoyed. And when they see Jesus, what do they do? What's the first thing they do? They worship him in a specific way that they worship is that they bowed down. They got down low. They got down real low. These men of great affluence, these men of great wisdom, they knew who they were standing before. And they got down low. They worshiped Jesus. They worshiped him. These magi, they worshiped him. They said, you are the one. You are the one that we have been looking for. And we want to give you these gifts. And actually, this is the first time we see the idea and where we get the idea of gift giving. It's from the Magi because they're giving these gifts to Jesus. And as they're giving these gifts to Jesus, it's a reminder that they treasured Jesus as the ultimate treasure. They came here as men who had great, again, affluence and influence. And out of their wealth, they gave to Jesus. They pulled out their treasure. This is like a diplomat saying to another diplomat, I recognize who you are. I see you for who you truly are. And we're gonna break down these gifts in the coming weeks here. But I don't want us to miss this, that the response of the wise men when they saw Jesus was to worship him. So here's a couple things for us as we think about this. In what ways can you worship Jesus this Christmas? What ways can you worship Jesus this christmas what are some of the ways that you can give him not only the throne of your heart not only see him for who he is but out of the treasure of who you are through your time your treasure your talent see him for who who he truly is to worship him to to give the worth that he is deserved the worth that would say to him you have my attention you have my affection and I want you not to miss this because some of us in December, I want you to know December can like feel very odd and eerie for us. It's both, wow, thankful for Jesus being born, thankful for what that means and signifies, and, man, I'm sad. I'm sad that this person isn't here. I'm sad or angry at the way I see the world around me falling apart whether that's personally or on a macro level. And, and worship isn't the, the ignorance or ignoring those things within us that are unpleasant to feel, but rather to come to one that can bear them. Jesus is called the man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. That's what he's called. I know for me personally, like this Christmas season, when I come around it, there's a couple things that happen simultaneously. One is, December 1st is my wife's birthday, uh, Amy. Amy, yeah, so we love to celebrate Amy. That's one of my, my favorite things to do, is to celebrate my bride. But then there's also another birthday in our family that same day, my older brother Jesse, one of my best friends and heroes. Um, and, and man, just thankful for him. And so there's a lot of celebra- celebration, celebratoriness towards these people in my life, and as well as celebrating Jesus coming. And then this season also reminds me of the fact that Amy's dad isn't here. You know, his passing happened pretty soon after Christmas in 2011. And it it changed things. It changed the dynamic. Amy had just turned 30. And so there's that sadness. There's a a sadness that even now my granddad looks like his days are coming to an end. Literally found out last last week uh, that he's not doing well and you're just reminded of the the sober reality like wait a minute like this is the hard heavy stuff in the midst of the holy and good stuff and part of worship in jesus worshiping jesus is not ignoring those things but coming to him with those things coming to him with those things lamenting them grieving them inviting the right people around you to say man you know what this is hard (laughs) this is heavy And yet there's some holy things going on too. Like all three can be true. All three can be true in life. And I know for Amy and I, just to have friends like that, where we can say, hey, this is what it is. And yet this is what God's up to. There's so many great things. So in what ways can you worship Jesus this Christmas? What ways can you come to him with your full self? What ways can you surrender over to him and not ignore the things that are hard And heavy but come to him to behold him to say jesus i don't want to miss you even in the midst of the mess that i'm experiencing or walking through for some of us the the area for us is hey i want to give you access to this area of my life i don't want to i don't want to withhold from you what rightfully belongs to you because you want my whole person we're integrated people by the way (laughs) jesus wants every part of us He wants every part of us, and he wants to do something in us. And part of the way that that happens is when we come to him and we worship him for who he truly is. Next part of this is, will you oppose, dismiss, or worship Jesus? So we said there are three responses. And I want you to just evaluate honestly before the Lord. Where are you? Are you opposing him? Are you dismissing him? Or are you worshiping him? The reality is we're always in a journey of growth with Jesus. We're always walking with him. But the the thing that we don't want to miss is that practicing one of these allows us to have the preparation, as we heard from Christy, to receive what it is he's inviting us into. And so I want you to think about this. Like, what would it look like for you to choose the latter? Sometimes worship means opening the word of God and jumping in to a chapter and just letting it just wash over you. Sometimes it's being quiet on the drive in to work and saying, I want you to speak. Sometimes it's having music on, worship music on, and and singing out to the Lord. Or maybe it's Christmas carols that help you to be reminded of of who God is, but not not discounting or disconnecting the part he plays in that, but pointing ourselves to him, allowing our minds and our hearts to be given to him. Some of that is, going outside for a walk. Maybe we're going for a hike and and just inviting him to join us in what it is that we're experiencing in walking in. These are different practices that we can do. Fasting is another practice. Prayer, another practice. There's so many practices that we could give. But I want you to know that they're they're meant to point us towards worship, to get our hearts in a, a posture of bowing down like the magi so that we could see Jesus for who he is, so that we could receive his love, and then his love would overflow out of us. So again, which one will be true of you this December? Will you oppose Jesus? Will you dismiss Jesus, or will you worship him? This is a choice that only you can make. I can't make it for you. I can't make it for you. You can't make it just by going to a service or a group, though that can help with the preparation and Attracting the spirit of worship, it's really from the the inner part of who you are before the Lord to say, I'm choosing you. I'm choosing a path of surrender and worship to you, to see you for who you truly, truly are. So I want to invite you to consider, again, this Christmas, which one you'll pick. I'm praying you'll pick the latter, that we would be a people marked by worship, a people that would worship Him with the attention of our minds, the affections of our hearts and that we would change not only ourselves but then the places that we step into, the people that we interact with and the way that we even look at the calendar of this Christmas season. Let's pray together. Father, right now, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you that it's so true and evident how much you care for us, how much you long for us to experience all that you have for us. And, Lord, even this day, I just want to pray for each person that's here that they would receive what it is that you're inviting them into and that they would understand uh, the invitation to bow down, to bow down to the one who is worth worshiping, the one who will not disappoint, the one who who will not run out on us when we blow it or when life around us is hard and heavy. And so whether that's a diagnosis right now that we've received whether that's cancer or some other issue that's going on or whether that's a relationship that has changed forever. There's fracturing in what we thought was and it turns out it's not what we thought it was. Lord, those disappointments, those, those hurts, those hardships, Lord, I pray you would meet us this season within them, that we'd see you for who you truly are and that we would behold you that the wonder of Christmas would cause us to lean in further to you, Christ. And, Lord, I I think of people here today that have yet to put their faith in you. And, Lord, I pray that today they would acknowledge, I'm a sinner, I'm spiritually dead, and I need to be brought back to spiritual life, and that only can happen through the life, death, burial, and resurrection of a sinless Savior named Jesus, God in flesh who came for me. And so, Lord, we just pray in a very real way, Lord, that you would move in our hearts, posture us in a place of worship to receive you, to behold you, to take in your love for us that then will lead us to how we love you and love others. Lord, we thank you that this Christmas season we can join you and we can see you For who you truly are, and we can practice a life of worship. Pray this in the powerful name of Jesus.